Welcome to In-Depth, an in-depth look at the interesting, educational, and timely topics affecting you right here in South Central Iowa and beyond. The one to count on for today's local news coverage is KNIA and KRLS. Now with today's In-Depth, here's Dr. Bob Leonard. What's the current state of higher education? Let's go in-depth with Mark Putnam, president of Central College. Mark, there's a lot of things happening in higher education. Can you sort of give us the big picture? I think what's changing now is driven heavily by demographics. We have uh, fewer high school students coming out of the pipeline, and that's going to continue for more than a decade ahead, at least. Uh, birth rates have dropped substantially. So there are fewer available in any case, in the traditional age population at least. And we also have um, a pattern emerging since the pandemic of lower levels of participation in post-secondary education. So we're beginning to see um, the college going rates decline at a something that I think is approaching alarming, specifically for populations that benefit often the most from higher education. Uh, and that is, you know, students who are from lower income and minority backgrounds, uh, especially, that, that's true. And there may be benefits in terms of um, job market activities and that they can, you know, get jobs that will support them in that, in that sense. But the life trajectory, I think, is a concern for those of us who are educators and that they're not necessarily setting themselves up for the pathways they may want to follow in the future. So I'd say that... Uh, coupled with economics, you know, the inflationary pattern that we have seen in the past couple of years coming out of uh, the pandemic has been uh, just alarming. It, it, we have seen cost increases in operating institutions like ours, uh, and it's true across the board, of course, um, that are just multiples of what we would normally see in increases. So there's greater pressure on institutions to sort through how do we prioritize where we're going to be investing. Some things are generally fixed. I have to, I have to pay insurance, even though it goes up substantially, or I've got to pay utilities, or we have other kinds of things that are structurally true about the college. But there are also then the investments you want to make in students, the kind of educational programs we offer, the kinds of co-curricular activities we can offer that enrich them. Uh, so I think many institutions, ours included, are trying to weigh how we manage the cost base in this environment. Uh, and still invest uh, fruitfully in education. Well, there's something really different now that's that's happened since when you and I went to college. The goal, when I was a kid anyway, was everybody hoped their kid would go to college. Mm -hmm. But if they didn't go to college, there, you'd have this trade, yeah. and so you'd be a, you'd learn how to be a mechanic in high school. I learned how to be a carpenter, you know, in case the college thing worked out because. That was just the culture then. Right. And now it's the culture is telling kids, oh, you don't need to go to college. Mm -hmm. And if I wouldn't have gone to college, I, I wouldn't have had a lot of things open up for me. And I know I would have been a diminished individual. Not everybody wa would be, mm -hmm. but I certainly would have been. And, but it's the culture that's telling them not to go to school when the culture for me and you mm -hmm. was Go to college and make the best of it. That's right. I was never expected as a high school student by my family or by school counselors to go to college. It had, it had not been something that was part of my thoughts coming through high school until um, one of the school counselors pressed me on the issue. 
and brought it to my attention. So the, the saying in the old days is, you go to college, but you need a trade to fall back on, right? That mm-hmm. was sort of the notion that you had to have some skill set available to you to, to, to be able to do those kinds of things. And I did roofing through college, and you know, there was you know, certain aspects of paint. I did a lot of painting as well. So there are things that I knew that I could always do if I had to do something along those lines. Uh, but college at that time, my parents, even other people's parents that were part of my world said, go for at least a year, just get a year of college, and then it will do you that much more good in the job market down the road. So you're right. Now we have kind of gone through this whole cycle where the assumption of college is no longer what is top of mind for people who are advising students. More in depth after this. I continued my conversation with Mark Putnam, president of Central College, about the current state of higher education. It's like people don't understand, I'm going to say legislators don't understand, that it's an investment that, you know, you can drive a 50000 or $70,000 pickup truck off the lot, and it's, you know, isn't worth very much, but the education that one could get for that similar bit of money is forever. Yeah, and it's still the case. It's still the case when they do the analysis that it pays enormous dividends over the course of a lifetime. So I think some aspects of the expense of doing what we do, you know, which has, has, has not benefited from public funding at the same level it used to comparatively. It's also the case that we've had large cost increases through time. So that's a frustration for lawmakers. That's a frustration for families to understand that what we do is expensive in, in this form. So I understand that part of it. What, what I think is lost on people too often is that they're short-sighted about what the trajectory of a life may look like. Uh, and that's where I think the, the notion of education or even, even training of, of certain kinds of post-secondary skill sets makes it possible for people to advance and be able to layer one thing on top of another and know that they have options they can build on. If they're devoid of any of that, and life takes over, right? You get into a relationship, maybe you're married, maybe you have family, there's job responsibilities, and you want to go further. Well, the difficulty now is trying to pull that off in the context of a complicated life. So we've seen some colleges fail or on the edge of failure. What, what does that really mean? Tell us what Iowa Wesleyan, Upper Iowa, tell us what that means. Yeah, so these things are, are rooted deeply in the history of an institution, and every profile is somewhat different. So Iowa Wesleyan and its experience, and I think it fought bravely through uh, many years, was under-resourced for what is necessary now to operate a college. It was played by the two things that that I've referenced here. Demographics and economics are the biggest parts of of what's driving this agenda. So every college has a profile of its resource base, its its tuition level, its endowment, its debt. And when you take a composite of those institutions, there are certain profiles that place an institution at greater risk. High debt compared to a low endowment is a wealth ratio, right? So what kind of net worth are you working with in order to be able to support the institution? Through times like now, where you have high inflation, you have um, fewer students generally, less participation. So this is a time when things are more challenged. 
So the closer you are to the edge on those kinds of things where you're not getting the driving revenue of tuition coming in, because there were years with demographics so favorable coming through 2010, the, the echo boom was brilliant. I mean, you know, we had the baby boom from, from 1946 to 1964, and as that population aged, there was this huge swell, and then there was a bust, and then the echo boom came in and peaked at around 2010. And the, the remarkable thing is that it's just this huge wave of students and just flooded campuses with, with revenue. When that goes away, it goes away. And so it's, it's like watching the tide go out and uh, you know, what's under the water. Uh, that you know, you know, can see visibly, and that's where you look at institutions like Iowa Wesley and Upper Iowa, uh, those who are presenting nationally, because it's not just Iowa; it's across the country, uh, a greater struggle in in what they're trying to do. It is the the capacity of an organization to attract students, but also to maintain wealth. More in depth after this. continued my conversation with Mark Putnam, president of Central College, about the current state of higher education. How do you balance supporting departments that aren't big revenue generators, mm -hmm. say in, in some of the social sciences, yet they're fundamentally important to, mm -hmm. a higher, to, to higher liberal arts education? How do you balance that? Are there pressures to say, cut this, they're not making enough money? You see it all the time. Uh, many, many campuses have eliminated humanities programs, programs in the social sciences, because they're using a, an analysis that says, how much revenue can we assign to the students who are enrolled in those classes or in the majors that are, that are present there? And that's an equation everybody has to kind of manage uh, in this because th there are certain investments that you're making in the breadth of education because it is part of the system of education, right? So uh, they vary in terms of costs. Some have a lot of faculty, some have a lot of materials costs, sciences, for example, or technology or instrumentation. Uh, so some are less expensive even though they are you know, perhaps not as popular as they once were. So you take a major in the humanities compared to a STEM major. STEM majors are very expensive to operate even though you may get more students in them. But if done well, majors in the humanities are not demanding of costs at the same level. And so it really becomes a question of curating the courses well. So yeah, do we have the fullness of enrollment that we once had? No, of course not. And are students migrating away from humanities programs and social science programs? Yes, generally true. But not necessarily the result. Our faculty have been incredibly creative in developing courses that have broad applicability across the curriculum. So even a, a program like English will have things that are really pertinent to people majoring in science fields or in business fields or something else that they can connect to. Thematic uh, approaches to things, ideas that are bigger uh, can get there. So are they offered differently than once were? Yes. Also, you have to be careful about upper course enrollments getting too low, right? So if it's too atomized across the curriculum, then that's a cost basis you have to be careful about. But carefully managing course design and course content and cross-referenced courses creates the opportunity to say that a, a course in literature can also connect to philosophy and maybe history, depending on what kind of thing is being taught. One of my concerns that came out of the legislature this year that looks good for you know the job market or anyway for our businesses that lets kids were in high school 
work at a younger age, mm-hmm. doing more things, staying out later. And, to, and most of the, it's not necessarily oh, driven by income, but a lot of it is, a lot of those kids, the poorer kids, are the ones that are going to take advantage, are going to be forced to take advantage of those programs. I'm worried about those kids not doing well enough in school because they're working so hard and so long and maybe not even getting to college. Do you see that as a problem? I think it's a risk. The, the, um, the investment of time and energy it takes to prepare someone to do college-level work is a serious commitment. So within high school framework, there has to be a way in which you are prepared to adequately do this. Uh, so when a student's underprepared, the, the risk of attrition is very, very high. Their success ratios are quite low in comparison. So the, the, the difficulty is, is that we're sometimes pressing students down a pathway in which their choices become increasingly limited because they have not had the occasion to invest more broadly. And I think this is very family rooted, right? So some families where maybe both parents have gone to college, they have a certain value around what that means in terms of preparation for life, will emphasize and say, you're not working in that way, or you're not playing the extra sport this year, or you're not doing something else because you have to focus on your academic work. So it does create, in my view, at least two tiers, maybe there's multiple tiers in that where you've got people who are being guided by their families and their school systems and their cultures and the wealth that surrounds them into a pathway that advances opportunity and builds on it, not regardless of capacity, right? And other cultures and families and settings in which it is becoming more pressured just to have income in the household. And as they're pursuing that more and more to help out, well, it's the advantage and the disadvantage we see. But that's why my grandma only got a fourth grade education and my grandpa a sixth grade education because they had to work. Yes, exactly right. And so we're going back there. I think there's a lot of th- things you can look at right now and say, are we going back to a different age, a different time? And I think that's the case. If you, if you go back to the history of post-secondary education, it was the Truman Report in 1947 that really began to create the concept of a broad-based liberal education, which really came out of World War II. And then through time, that advanced and began to expand. And of course, it was about population in many respects. What we've seen now is that that society's value structure is not so much about an engaged citizenry uh, and having greater educational capacity. It is about filling in slots that we need workers in these areas or jobs, high demand jobs is the term that's used quite commonly now, that we've got to prepare students for high demand jobs and middle skill level kinds of things. So, you know, to the extent that that a bachelor's degree would confer social status at some level, that's still true in many places in the United States, that there's still a status that comes along with completing college. Uh, But as the the social changes that we have seen have taken root, um, it is is now this notion of uh, citizenship is about becoming a worker in a productive system of employment. We could talk a lot about that. What I'd like you to touch on in the minute or two we have left is the value Central has, the programs maybe that you've invested in, the things that you've done to diff- that the, the faculty, staff, and you have done to 
make it so that there's something special about Central to make people want to come here? Mm-hmm. What yeah. are those? Well, I think it, there is there is some responsiveness to where enrollment interests go. That's always been true in post-secondary education, that there are trends and patterns of, of what happens through time. So clearly, we have more students pursuing fields in science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, so we can accommodate that, right? We, we know how we can grow and, and see those programs develop. Uh, what I think has been creative here with our faculty is the interdisciplinary conversations that are always going on. They are very much collaborators across disciplines and have great regard and respect for each other's work. So it's not heavily siloed. It certainly is specialized in areas, but not so heavily siloed. They don't talk to each other. And so, you know, when you think about students that are going into areas that are like, you know, pre-health, pre-medicine, then what happens in a place like communications is that they have communications courses around issues of medical care. Uh, and then that can draw them into a conversation that is wider than this specific science. And that's been, that's been true when you look at the MCAT or preparation for medical school uh, as an example. There's much more emphasis on behavioral and social aspects of, of preparing to be a physician than just the pure science, because they're going to do more science in medical school. But they want to make sure it was these, these are people who, these are individuals who can work with people. Uh, so I think, you know, when we have the, the, the kind of cross-pollinization within the faculty and team teaching and uh, common courses that, that they share in together, it widens the conversation. So the value at Central has been that it doesn't matter what discipline or professional field of study you're teaching in, there's an expectation that everyone is a professor of broad-based learning. Excellent. Thanks to Mark Putnam for contributing to the program. For KNIA KRLS News, this is Dr. Bob Leonard bringing you today's news and information in-depth from our little corner of the universe. An audio copy of today's in-depth program is available at KNIAKRLS.com on demand or for download. Just click podcasts. If you have topics or show ideas you'd like to hear in-depth, Contact KNIA KRLS by sending an email to Bob Leonard at KNIAKRLS.com. The one to count on for today's local news and the number one news and information source in South Central Iowa is KNIA KRLS.